Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and wherever you are, and welcome back again to the MindWalk podcast. For those of you who are here for the first time, this is the podcast where we talk about everything new and innovative in the natural resources industries, with a specific focus on digitization in, in mining or digital transformation of mining. As we get started, as always, also allow me a quick shout out to MineRP, who is the primary sponsor of the MineWall podcast. MineRP is a mining software company specializing in the application of software solutions for mining, uh, aimed at increasing interoperability between mining technical and financial and ESG domains. And there's a lot more to it. MineRP, of course, is part of the Epiroc Digital Solutions Division, as is our guest today. And for more information, you can go to epiroc.com and find Epiroc Digital on there. Or you can also visit uh, minorp.com. So with that then, today we will be talking a little bit more about safety and productivity and how those two meet together. And there's a lot of development there in safety and productivity, both for the operator and the controller in uh, integrated remote operation centers or just mining control centers and um, everything from helping the actual driver to uh, or, or operator of the machine to do their work more safely to a higher order solutions uh, helping the mind to operate better uh, in total and and we've got a guest who knows all about that today our guest is Hans Volquist and uh, Hans is with Epiroc Digital Solutions as well, and specifically, he's Global Director Product Management at Epiroc Technology and Digital Division. Uh, Hans, welcome to the MindWall podcast. Thank you so much, Ampe. I'm happy to be here. So as I'm sitting here uh, in the southern point of Africa in nice summer weather, although it is a bit rainy outside, uh, you are sitting almost on the opposite end <laughs> of the world in northern Sweden, aren't you? Well, it can't be that more remote than, than I am. Uh, so uh, I'm sitting in, in Luleå in the very north of uh, Sweden, or almost in the north of Sweden, uh, looking out at actually a bit frosty grounds. Uh, one year ago, it was uh, half a meter of snow or something like that, I think. But well, this year is like uh, at least a month. Uh, late. Right. So, so, so you're getting a bit of a reprieve there, or are you actually looking forward to a proper winter? I'm, I'm always enjoying all seasons. So I'm, I'm that guy. I, I like most of things, <laughs> and especially winter when you can go skiing and, and snowmobiling or other fun stuff. Yep. That's stuff that we here in South Africa only uh, read about. We'll see on the movies. Uh, but Hans, we're not here to talk about the weather only. Uh, you've got a background um, in, I guess, in the past two decades, at least in, in mining specifically, but then also in technology development. I think you worked for Ericsson and, and communications is, is something that you know very well. So why don't you just uh, tell us a little bit more about your background and how you ended up becoming uh, a, you know, a global director, I guess, for, for product management in the APRA mining intelligence uh, division? To be honest, when I was really young, I, 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 I had an idea to be a medical doctor, but then it was so hyped about computers. Uh -huh. So I swapped into computers and, and uh, went to the university eventually and, and uh, took a master's of science in computer science and engineering and electronics. Mm -hmm. uh, started to work with um, 
product, a small product company doing uh, equipment for vibration control of, of heavy machinery in the in the industry, but then swapped to consult to be a consultant. And then eventually ended up at Ericsson, as most of the young people at that time did in the 90s. So I worked for Ericsson in, let's say, about 10 years, uh, working with um, product management a lot and uh, management as well. Then swapped over to Tieto, which which is a, a Nordic consultancy company, worked with them in, in the telecoms as well for 10 years, uh, doing different stuff, management and, and business management and sales. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the end, I, I was responsible for machine-to-machine uh, -machine communication and and, um, and and then after that, uh, industrial R&D. But I was actually, to be honest, a bit fed up about big, big companies, where there's a lot of politics. I was uh, headhunted by a friend to a small company in Luleå called Mobilaris. Right. Uh, which uh, they apparently wanted someone to do something new. They had uh, been really successful in, in doing uh, mobile positioning and mobile networks for public mm -hmm. safety and, and things like that. But they wanted to do something new in a new area. So I was giving, uh, given a basically a white paper, do something new. Uh, mm -hmm. And I, I thought for some months. And after a while, I realized that you know, being in the telecoms uh, industry, and it's not really like this totally, but I mean, if you did something wrong, someone would basically maybe change operator if they are angry that they can't send an SMS or right. whatever. But in mining, it's really to some sort, in, especially in underground mining has been a bit, it was a bit undeveloped from a digital point of view. And it was a bit of a wild west to be say the least so i was thinking why don't we do something in underground mining because it can't basically be worse than that and uh, so that was the basic idea i had and um, started to think about what we could do in that arena uh, with the competence that we had at the company and it was very lucky that we quite soon got a good uh, prototype project together with Boliden and uh, LKB in Sweden, uh, and, and uh, that prototype project that we started out with was actually actually quite successful. It was for basically for visualizing the mine in, in, mm -hmm. in a 3D space and position uh, people and machines uh, using their existing Wi-Fi uh, environment. Okay. Uh, and it, of course, it was a bit rough in the beginnings, but we showed them that this can be done by reusing the infrastructure that they already had installed. And, and it was, uh, I mean, it was really eye-opening for me and, and, and really, really interesting to, you know, being a geek from the telecom area to suddenly be underground and get dirty. If you're not safe here, you can be actually overrun or something bad can happen to you. So it's, it's actually an environment where technology really can make a big change. Mm -hmm. And, and, and we, I learned so much being underground, a lot of hours, days, weeks, months at Boliden Mines, especially. We had and have still have a really good uh, cooperation together. That, that really 
created a lot of competence, eye-opening uh, experience for, for me and other uh, of my colleagues. Really interesting and, and a really good time to, to be. So it sounds like, you know, uh, you were one of the, um, I, I almost want to, you know, call it old school technologists. And, and I and have to include myself in that role as well, where, you know, very often today you see a big role distinction between, between solution developers or software developers or even hardware developers and, and those people who create specifications for solutions or analysts and those that do implementations of solutions. You know, those roles have, have split up. But 20, 15, 20 years ago, they, there was something called a solution or, or, or a, um, an analyst programmer. You know, or, or something like that. That that was one person that did all of this. <laughs> yeah. And that that gave people a lot of wide insight, not only in what could be done, but how it should be done, and how it should be implemented, and how people perceive technology, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I I agree. Or you can call those people entrepreneurs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or just old in general. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like me. <laughs> no, no, no. And so uh, that's really, really interesting. And um, and as you say, the, the you know the forgiveness, I guess, in the mining industry is a little bit lower in the sense that if you do make a mistake in an underground mine, you know you have the potential of really causing damage and causing harm, not only to to assets, but of course, critically to people. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, it's. Um... Definitely so, but maybe not to exaggerate it too much. But I mean, it, basically, I think that, and 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 I, I have to say that underground mining is is uh, to a large. It's a great industry, and it's it's nothing dangerous really about it. Uh, I mean, if you if you follow the the procedures yeah. and rules and things like that. So, but I think that what the what. What the result really is of not knowing is actually a lot of waste of time. Yeah. Which is, which is what what will cost you money and in the worst case, of course, can uh, create accidents or, or incidents. Yeah. Yeah. That that will that will be bad. But I mean, for most of the things is it's an underground mine without a a proper system. It's it's just a dark place <laughs> where you really don't know about things. You raise an interesting area here, uh, yeah. Hans, in the sense that uh, I've seen a while ago that, um, because my career also started in, uh, well, my mining at least, uh, mm. background started in developing uh, health and safety software. And um, I, I noticed uh, at the beginning that, that these safety type solutions we're kind of a grudge buy, you know, people would say, well, you know what, we really don't want to invest in this, but, but we are being forced by laws to do this. And so uh, they started, you know, investing in, in, in safety uh, technologies and safety uh, tracking and incident management solutions, et cetera, et cetera. But over time, I think, and, and maybe you can tell me whether you agree with this. Uh, it seemed to me that there's a, confluence now, a flowing together of productivity streams and safety streams, where, where companies have realized that, firstly, to keep people safe is the best way to keep people productive. <laughs> exactly, um, exactly. 
No, I know. Is it a sign that that minds are are thinking about these kinds of technology not as a grudge buy anymore? Exactly. I mean, when when we started um, talking to minds around the world, it was basically they most of the minds had like a leaky feeder system with some kind of walkie-talkie radio. That was kind of cutting edge yeah. technology when it comes to communication. And, and uh, they had a hard time understanding the business case of implementing a modern uh, internet in the world, in the mind. And, and we had to struggle really a few years to really push this technology, although we didn't sell it. But we had to, you know, we based our solutions on that there was a good infrastructure in the mind. Since then, I, th I think and I hope that we, we really have, uh, uh, we have contributed at least to, to push that. Mm. technology change mm. in mining because we could show the upside of it and i think that today if you if you take today uh, versus let's say seven years ago uh, then then many minds in the world told us that well wi-fi technology in underground mines that's only for those star trek mines of scandinavia but <laughs> but but today i think that they realize that that uh, and, uh, that having a good infrastructure, whether it's a Wi-Fi network or a mobile network or, or something like that, 4G, yeah. 5G, is actually super important in order to be successful, in, in order to be safe and, and productive. And mm. it's actually the wrong question to ask yourself what the business case for it is. Right. Uh, the right question, or, or because it's it's like uh, a good friend of mine said that it's like air and sun. You need it to survive, basically, in the future yeah. of, of digital digital mining. Uh, if you're not implementing and 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 taking that into consideration, then you will be far behind all others in the next downturn. So it's mm. like how mm. you have to do it. So I guess. Uh... When it comes to these kinds of uh, digital roadmaps, um, you know that mines have whether the the immediate um, burning platform is to solve some uh, safety issue or to solve some uh, productivity issue or a combination of those. It all starts with uh, implementing um, a communication infrastructure, and that was also the first part that that you guys started uh, innovating, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, I think the, the the important thing is to 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 consider what use cases that are that are of interest. And what was interesting to see in the beginning when we, when we started was actually that having like a pyramid where the bottom of the pyramid usually is the the the, the communication networks that you need mm -hmm. to have in place in order to communicate with people with machines and things like that. The second yeah. most important thing is to, I think, to position or, or, or the ability to navigate in the mind. Mm. So, so getting the position of people, mobile and fixed assets, that's really important. Without that, you can basically scrap <laughs> most of the software you will put on top of that. But, yeah. but what, what, what we realize was that most of those use cases that are more like low-hanging fruits mm. could mm. be could be satisfied to a large extent with the same uh, infrastructure that you would install for communication. So right. that position okay. and accuracy was good enough to do 
a lot of the safety related use cases as well as a lot of productivity related use cases and i think yeah. that was like an eye opener for many minds that they didn't have to implement or or invest in in another super advanced expensive technology on top of, of anything but they could actually do quite well with uh, what they already have installed if they had a let's say a wi-fi network or a mobile network with some bluetooth in it or something like that so to so so, so let's role play this quickly i am a uh, cio of a mining operation somewhere i have the job to go and implement some kind of communications backbone for a mine uh, and I start my desktop study and I see that there, there are a host of, of technologies and technology approaches available, you know, whether wireless communication or, you know, visual imaging or uh, I, I guess um, inertial devices that doesn't use external images, but just tells you how much the vehicle or the asset has, has moved or even the person or positioning technologies using visible light communication or LIDAR or whatever. Where do we start? You know, <laughs> what's the best? Well, uh, as I said uh, recently, uh, it, it's, it, I think they should foremost focus on getting a good coverage uh, as much as possible in the mind okay. of yeah. in internet. Internet coverage in the mind, I think, is imperative. Having the ability to communicate and then to use that technology as well for position, I think, is is where to start. And mm -hmm. also to realize that, you know, for a mine to get into that position, um, they really need to, to change uh, in roles. They, they, they must start thinking about having people that that are good at building and maintaining a network because that will be like the blood system <laughs> in mm, the body. Yeah. That will be the, the information highway that all of the other applications that you might think of is going to rely on. It's, yeah. it's super important that you build competence in this. Many of us haven't realized this yet and, and, and yeah. they struggle about it, but, but those who succeed, they have really embraced this, I, I think. Yeah. And then there seems to be, um, if not a confusion, at least somewhat of a confluence, maybe, or, a, or a, a convergence between positioning technologies and communications technologies. Is, is that right? That, that communications technologies such as Wi-Fi uh, routers or, or maybe 4G, 5G kind of uh, devices have now become not only communication carriers, but also beacons and, and, and positioning uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's it's used for for those two purposes for most use cases. Then of course there are also uh, of course these other use cases that, that that are more specific, but that might need another technology. But for sure they don't need to be available everywhere in a mine. You can use those technologies, those niche technologies in in specific areas where you maybe need some let's say autonomous remote loading where you need super high accuracy or something else so i think that the the best way forward is actually to use the best fit for purpose technology it's based on a foundation of connectivity in a mind okay so uh, i have 
I've personally spoken with, uh, you know, operational managers uh, or general managers uh, who said to me, well, you know what, I don't want everyone connected uh, because the operators will sit and WhatsApp people at home and, and, and you know, check out their social media instead of concentrating on their job. So, you know, these are, I guess, you know, uh, some of the objections that you guys must face when you face when you implement communication that goes right to the edge. How do you respond to objections like that? I, I think it's, uh, and I, I hope I don't offend anyone, but, but I, I think that it's a bit old-fashioned. And, and, yeah. and I think that we are also facing a situation in the mining industry where there is a huge change of people for, for younger generations. Mm -hmm. And they are used to technology. You know, they, they don't mm. want to carry a canary bird and a, and a hammer in their, in, in their hand. They, they, they are used to modern technology if they, if they are uh, considering to enter the mining industry, which is a very cool and, 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 and good industry, I must say. So yeah. I think that one easy answer is, of course, that you just have to have the right tools to be, be productive and, and, and making people wanting to work in this industry. But I think that a better answer to the question is actually a, a, a very famous pe person said at a conference I was uh, in Australia for some years ago, said something like this, uh, not directly quoted, but basically like this, that uh, many companies, many mining companies before thought exactly what you just said, that, that mm -hmm. well, it's only at the head office in the skyscrapers that they have excellent uh, internet uh, or Wi-Fi coverage, but the people that actually create the value in the mines, mm. they don't have it. I mean, mm. it should basically be uh, the, the, the opposite, right? The people yes. creating the money, creating the value should have the best tools, isn't it? And, and, Absolutely. That, and, and with today's technology, I mean, if you think of like a lot of the things we are and, and we have been thinking at Epiroc is, is that, you know, just like you're in any new city today, and you are not really finding your way. You, you just open your phone and whether you have an iPhone or, or an Android, basically you open Google, Google mm. Maps and you mm. enter a pizza restaurant or something. I won't mention some names um, and, 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 and then you can navigate to it or to a museum or, or a nightclub or a hotel or whatever you like. Yeah. Uh, and you yeah. can see where your friends are if you have entered and, and, and opted in to, to see your, your friends and things like that. And it yeah. makes your world easier. It can actually translate to Chinese in China if I speak yeah. Swedish and, and everything. So it's modern tools based mm. on available technology. And why in hell shouldn't we have those tools in mind? Exactly. exactly. Exactly what we are trying to do with a lot of our solutions where we try to, to actually basically get Google in, in, your, in your hand, but underground them. So that's the same thing that we are trying to do. Okay, so so we've talked about a lot of things, and I love that answer, by the way. So you know, it, it is true that the, the guys who do the real work should be the ones who get the best tech. You know, I think uh, you know software companies and so on have understood this best. You know, the software developer has the biggest machine because they need to have the best uh, technology, and it should be the same for the miner. But you know, you, at Mobilaris or now uh, Epiroc Mining Intelligence, as you've been uh, uh, taken to the market now. Uh, since your acquisition by Epiroc, you guys do a lot of uh, use cases or solve for a lot of use cases, including uh, 
as you mentioned, firstly, you know, location and spatial awareness. So just show me in 3D where everyone and everything is. And then, of course, on the back of that, there emerges safety uh, and productivity capabilities, such as navigation management and traffic awareness and situational awareness and, I guess, collision avoidance, even emergency support and so on. But if you have to, if you have to tell people in, in two minutes, you know, what Mobilaris technologies are about and how they play a, a role in the Epiroc Digital Solutions Division. How would you, how would you position that? Well, it's a really good $10 million question, but, but, <laughs> but, but in short- I am recording this, just so you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In, in short, I would just say that we will give you the information needed uh, in, in really in short. And, and, and that's different thing for different people in different situations. So right. as you said, if you are in the control room, you just might need to know where everybody are, the machines and people and, and fixed assets, etc. I mean, not, yes. not only the mobile things with legs or wheels, but yeah. also where did I put that um, pump control unit, for instance, as an example? Where did I put that, that bucket to a loader? Uh, mm. It's a dark place and it, it takes hours maybe to find them sometimes. But, right. but if you take it down to the, to the individual, let's say a driver of a mine truck or, or mm. a light vehicle in a mine, I mean, if you're a newbie or if you have a really large mine, you actually might need navigation uh, facilities to help you to navigate from point A to point B in a yeah. mine where you don't really know all the, the ways. But if, even if you go to a, to, a, to a mine and you meet the person that's worked there for 10 years or whatever, and he said that he will say to you that, well, I don't need any, any stupid navigation system. I know my ways around. Hmm. But still, you can tell him that, okay, mister, you have worked here for 10 years, but you still don't know if anything's coming around the bend that you don't see. Right. I mean, you don't really know because that's the environment. It's like a straight 400 meters and then it's a 180 degree turn and you don't really hmm. see and, and hmm. you don't know. And if hmm. you meet those, I mean, the risk, of course, is... is uh, it, in, in, in the worst thing that can happen is, of course, some kind of collision yeah. where you might end up in an accident, uh, God forbid, but still. Uh, mm -hmm. But the worst, uh, the more common thing is that people stop, you know, and uh, the most underground mines are only one lane. So there's mm -hmm. no passing possibilities. You have someone has to go backwards and that's mm -hmm. where you lose a lot of time. And we have seen for those uh, mines that have implemented uh, one of our solutions we call onboard, which is basically a car navigator or for underground mines, that mm -hmm. they have stopped stopping. And that has actually not only, uh, which I think is the most important, of course, avoid the accidents and mm -hmm. down the uh, stress level of drivers, which is, that's really sustainability, right? Yeah. The, the, the working environment for people. But for the, from the economical point of view, it has increased the, the, the haulage capacity because there has been so uh, much fewer stops. So you yeah, have more time. It's very for fuel as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm. So it's, it's, it's safety, it's sustainability, and it's productivity. Uh, wow. You can call it whatever you like, but it's good. Yeah, yeah. So uh, how long does it take for a typical mine then to get some kind of return on investment on... Let's call it the the basic 
uh, tell me where things are and uh, help people navigate and uh, and avoid these kinds of interruptions that you were talking about. If if you take from the bottom, I would say if you don't have anything and and, and you and you want to start, I think mm. the most important thing is to you know you have to start to walk before you can run, right? So yeah, so I think building an, a network and 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 getting the awareness of where things are is uh, where you i think where you should start right also in parallel to that i think that some minds would like to start with digitalizing their shift plans you know go from whiteboard plan okay. to, to um, a more digital tool because having that tool uh, for planning and knowing where things are in reality then you can actually connect the plan with the reality and then right. you can you you can trigger be, be triggered when something goes off plan, and then you can replan and save the shift, which is really good. But I think that process maybe takes for a good mind a few months to to right. replan. But the important yeah. thing, and I think this is a really good question you, you you pointed out, MP, is that even as you can do that in a few months' time, what's really important is that that you have people for change management and right. you embrace this technology because if you just install it and you then say right now we bought the system we have installed it just wait for the money now to arrive uh, that will arrive for a certain amount of time but then it will deteriorate when people swap chain uh, roles uh, Maybe you hire new people and you don't really train them too good. And in the end, it will be something that gets dusty in the corner of a control room. Hans, we are running out of time and I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, there's a lot more that we can say and probably should say. Uh, if I look at our notes, there are things that we missed and things that, uh, that we did that's not on there. So, you know, I think I'd love to have you back if, you, if you'd be so gracious as to come back onto the podcast. I would be, more, would be more than happy to do that. At MindWarp, we always end with a uh, with an interesting question, making it more personal at the end again. And we'd like to know, what are you reading? What's on your bedside table? Well, I can be honest and I can be public. Uh, <laughs> Please to I, be publicly honest. You know. if, I, if, I'm, uh, if I'm publicly, uh, then actually what I have on my bedtime uh, table is a book about from Stephen Hawking uh, oh. the, grand, the grand design but I it, love that book. It, it, but, but but it's it's a bit hard to understand everything what he's saying and basically one can easily understand why but but it's a good book to to read uh, um, but what I'm really reading is actually the manual to my naval plotter for my boat <laughs> <laughs> Did you just admit to reading a manual? I thought you were a real man, but clearly, you yeah, know. I, I know, but but I started this summer without manual, but then I realized what are all those things blinking? What are they meaning? <laughs> <laughs> I understood that I should maybe read a manual. So so at least you practice what you preach when it comes to change management. You know, you know, exactly. also actually trying to do it right. <laughs> yes. Once thanks a lot for your time. It was great having you on, on MindWarp, and I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you so much, MP. Take care. Be safe. Thanks. Thank you.